0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the final week of qualifying in most fantasy leagues for the playoffs, and it's by-mageddon, part-trois. Dave Cabin and I will break down the projections and help you get those title run lineups set on Rotoviz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. He is the mysterious man in black tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trusting that it's actually him on the other side of the screen here. His camera battery has run out. Um, Dave, man, I am just trying to avoid the sickness that is spreading like the plague through the local elementary schools here in Central Ohio. Two of my three kids are sick and I've got the Ohio State Powerlifting Championships this weekend. I am very fearful of coming down with something and being at less than peak performance, uh, and not just from a fantasy football perspective, but also from an actual personal physical perspective. How are you doing, sir?
2: Well, I think I'm, I'm probably doing a little bit better than you then. But I, I, have, <laughs> I have confidence that if push comes to shove here, you'll dig deep, you'll overcome adversity, oh, and show babe. everybody... Why you yeah. are the powerlifting champion of Ohio.
1: Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan flu game come here. Uh, pot- potentially. Luckily, I had my flu shot back in October. So we'll see how effective that is. But uh, yeah, going going for that the trifecta. This would be three time. Uh, this would be the three So I got I got to get it done, man. But uh, we know we know the listeners uh, have a lot on the line this weekend, too. And man, it is a, a crappy, crappy week for us to be sitting, uh, staring at six teams on by and just a critical, you know, week 14. It's, it's the last week of uh, the, the regular season in like best ball mania and a lot of the big best ball tournaments. Um, it is the championship week for from a divisional perspective in many of the high stakes uh, arenas, such as the FFPC. And in in most just regular, you know, casual redraft leagues, it is the final week before the playoffs start. So it's all on the line, but we've got Justin Fields and the Bears out. Um, We've got, you know, basically everyone at flex level out for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, The Packers and the uh, Wonderkind that is Christian Watson, are out. The Commanders, the Colts, and Saints are also off. This week, So going to be a lot of questions naturally uh, and a lot of squinting to try to find those, um, you know, very meaningful points at the uh, end of the bench for that final flex spot, Dave. So this is going to be an important episode. We know you and the weekly GLSP have it all ready to go. Let's dive in right off the top with the quarterback position.
2: Had to make sure that we get a drop in there. Uh, the first thing that stands out to me this week is that we have two options that normally we could have looked to as streaming options gone in Jimmy Garoppolo not being available. And now with yeah. Deshaun Watson coming back, Jacoby Brissett, who this week probably would have been a usable player, is now not an option. On top of that, some of the lower level starters that people might have been relying on, like Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, it's not clear if he's going to be able to play is questionable for their matchup with, oh uh, yeah. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> we were supposed to like help people out and like paint a rosy
1: picture, man. This is not, this is not off to, this is not off to an effective start. Uh, we, uh, we've got to find some people here that we can plug into a lineup.
2: Yeah, we, we do. So, um, the thing here is Curtis at the quarterback position, Barring um, one of the typical starters also not being able to play, I don't have many great options this week. The best streamer that I can find is likely Jared Goff or Ryan Tannehill with just an average of around 16 points. Mac Jones also falls in that range. There isn't a streaming option that has uh, an unusually high distribution towards the right where we want it to the point, Curtis, that I'm almost not even really sure if we should spend any more time on the position. My final thought would really just be if you can get any body, any healthy body into your quarterback spot, honestly, that's probably what you're doing.
1: Okay. We're going to leave people with at least a couple names here. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that Jacoby Brissett had been, uh, a streamer and, and that Jimmy Garoppolo had been streamer. So I think it's natural to look at the guys that are standing in for them. Now um, I do see Deshaun Watson rated pretty highly. It's unlikely that he is out there on the wire for anybody, but I'm sure he was claimed by a ton of listeners. Yep. How comfortable would we be? I mean, you know, he's going to be on the road at Cincinnati. You know, this is a game with a pretty high total. It's like a, a, a 47 point uh, implied total. And, and the Browns are road you know, dogs uh, by, you know, by a touchdown here. Um, we've seen every opposing quarterback for the past five weeks score at least 15.5 PPR in two instances of 22 or greater, um, with one of those actually uh, being Jacoby Brissett, uh five yeah. weeks ago. Bursett actually has scored more points against the Bengals um, since week eight than any other quarterback, and that includes Patrick Mahomes last week. So if, if you've got Watson on the bench, I mean, we feel good about uh, inserting him in the lineup despite kind of the, the pedestrian performance in, in his first week
2: back. Well, I think that you probably do um, unless I'm assuming if there's not a team where you're thinking about putting him in, you don't have Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that, then you probably yeah, it w- do. It would
1: be it would be like a Justin Fields. Um, you know, it would probably be a Justin Fields manager or potentially um You know, a manager that had been limping along with Aaron Rodgers and then was waiting for those are really the two uh, managers we're speaking to, I think.
2: Yeah. So what I will say is you have that most recent game for Deshaun, which was not great, pulling him down, but he's really getting propelled by the fact that higher level passers who he's still getting matched with and most passers in general in the sample of games that, you know, you're going to be expecting to be looked at here do pretty well to the point that 28% of Watson's matcha uh, matches this week went over 25 points and he actually has less than 26% falling under 15 points. So there's a great distribution here for him and given the fact that there's now that one game, perhaps some of that dust shakes off. You're willing to go ahead yeah. and take a swing at that, at some of that upside. As you mentioned, uh, Brissette had a good game when they met earlier in the year, so I think you probably are putting him in your lineup unless you have one of those auto start guys.
1: Yeah, um, the the one that would be available. Uh, I to- yeah, I totally agree with that. If you're if you're a Fields or a Rogers manager, uh, Watson is likely a better. Uh, quarterback for you to, to plug in there versus anything you would find on the waiver yeah. uh, wire this week. Um, Brock Purdy is the other name that we would look at there. You know, he's going to get the start this week um, filling in for, for Jimmy Garoppolo, much tougher situation there. Uh, he's going to be uh, at home hosting the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the game with a, a thirty seven point implied total, Dave uh, totally ugly situation here, but he does show up as QB 14. Yep. Um, in the, in the GLSP, it's a pretty even distribution. Um, but I should note that 62% of the matches had at least 15 PPR. Now it's definitely more weighted towards the lower end. Um, you know, but, but maybe, uh, an absent ceiling, but, um, reasonable floor, uh, situation for, yep. for Purdy. When I look in the NFL stat explorer at the past five games against Tampa, um, you know, we saw even the likes of Philip Walker, uh, you know, PJ Walker uh, putting up set, uh, 16 PPR five weeks ago. Uh, Lamar and Gino uh, both put up 24 plus, and then we had, you know, uh, you know that I, I guess the the injured prop of uh, Matthew Stafford only scoring 12 <laughs> PPR three weeks ago. But then you know Brissett uh, with 15.2 recently here as well. So you know, I th- I think that 15 number that Brissett uh, posted is certainly achievable for Purdy given all the weapons surrounding him. So if, if you find yourself, you know, without uh, fields or Rogers, or you find yourself having lost Garoppolo, for example um, you know, I think I, I like, I would rather start Purdy than, you know, Matt Ryan or some of these other guys that are typically out there uh, on the wire. Um, how would, how would you compare him to, you know, to like Matt, Matt Ryan or Mac Jones or somebody like that?
2: It's 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 tricky. I think that given the matchup and where we do see his GLSP falling out, they're actually relatively close. Now, the one thing that you could say is you kind of alluded to with the personnel that's around Purdy, perhaps he doesn't have to do that much. I mean, you could have a yeah, couple of screens to CMC, McCaffrey yeah. or a yeah. short pass to even like Debo and Ayuk are both guys too, that you could imagine a sure. couple of situations where they get schemed something in the backfield, short pass, and you know, a couple of big plays get broken. Uh, If you do run uh, Brock Purdy through the GLSP and you compare him to Mac Jones, Purdy actually has the better distribution um, at the high end. In the middle, Jones has him beat and Purdy does actually have a little bit more downside. Uh, So they're relatively close. um, But I, I just think the larger takeaway here is that Purdy actually in this week is a viable option. And you very realistically could roll with him over somebody like Mac Jones. Uh, if we compared Purdy to Matt Ryan for, or well actually Matt Ryan's off. This Ryan's week, on I by,
1: I realized it like right after I said it. So it right. was a, it was a terrible example.
2: I mean, even compared to somebody like Ryan Tannehill, he's in that range yeah. Yeah. this week. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's probably a level of, um, you know, level of, of owner taste there, but uh, he's, he's definitely in the conversation.
1: All right, let's hop over to running back.
2: Okay, running back should be a little bit more exciting. Um, This is going to be important this week, though, right? Uh, With those buys, with injuries mounting up, we have Joe Mixon assuming that he's able to clear everything and is ready to go as the top-rated rusher this week along with Austin Eckler, both at an average of 197 Curtis, these two are becoming fixtures now, man. Tony Pollard, yeah. Ramondre Stevenson right behind yeah. them in the top four as they were last week. Now, Kenneth Walker, unfortunately... um Do we know the time horizon yet? I mean, it's safe to say he's out this
1: week. Yeah, well, he hasn't actually been ruled out. uh, As of when I looked earlier today, he hadn't been ruled out for week 14. But the beats were saying, you know, uh, trending towards unlikely. Pete Carroll's official diagnosis was a jammed ankle. (laughs) So I'm not exactly sure what that means. It means he's probably pretty uncomfortable won't get any touches during the week uh, as the the Seahawks protect him, you know, as they're still competing for the playoff spot. And we're going to probably find out as a game time decision. So so I think coming up with some of these other names yep. as potential fill ins will be will be critical.
2: Yeah. So I would say if Walker can't go on some level, you do want to monitor that Seattle backfield This Walker has one of the better GLSPs this, this week with an average of 14.4 75th percentile of 17.1 now a name that we have i don't know if we've mentioned his name since maybe like week four but james connor getting onto the first page of listings for the first time in a very long time arizona is playing new england connor gets slated with 14 rushes for 60 yards 0.3 rushing touchdowns expected to get two receptions, 14 yards, and that gives him an average projection in a PPR scoring league of around 12 doesn't have the best distribution, but with some other players on by this week does land in the top 15 and perhaps gets back into some lineups. We also see now Jeff Wilson, dude had a terrible game over the weekend, but both he and Raheem Mostert finish inside the top 15 this week which i think really signals to the fact that there's a great chance that miami gets a lot of production from its running backs this week um of course miami will be playing the chargers you have wilson slated for 60 yards 70 percent of his matcha uh, matches found the end zone and then for most he slated with 13 attempts, 59 yards. 50 percent of his matches found the end zone. Long and the short of it is, we would definitely expect, and the majority of outcomes that the Dolphins find the end zone this weekend via the ground yeah, game.
1: And, yeah, and there's there's so many. I mean, there are usable running backs uh, from all of the six teams that are that are on by. Um, and so, I, you know, I could see a situation where, you know, both of these running backs are are playable uh, for Miami. You know, I think it's pretty predictable for another a, a couple of reasons why the Dolphins didn't have success, you know, running against the 49ers. I mean, McDaniels essentially running, um, you know, a scheme against the, the, the coach that uh, introduced him to or helped him perfect um, that yep. rushing attack. So it's, it's very natural. Um, to to see why the Dolphins were were unsuccessful there, but you know they they get the Chargers this week. They're they're actually road favorites against the Chargers, which is interesting going out to the West Coast. Uh, but running backs have really done a nice job against the Chargers lately, man. Um, you know, and the NFL Stat Explorer shows us in in recent weeks. I mean, uh, opposing teams you know third most rushing attempts against this defense. Uh, first, it's it's been the the, the softest. Uh, Defense against uh, opposing running backs in terms of rushing yards allowed uh, and third and yards per carry uh, sixth in expected points. Um, We're seeing, you know, quite a bit of of high end production and and not necessarily only from the, you know, the usual cast of elite characters, Uh, Cordero Patterson and in in a committee backfield situation, um, you know, in Atlanta, put up 18 PPR uh, McCaffrey. Uh, 17 PPR uh, Pacheco 11 Connor 23 you know in the revelation that's Jeff uh, Josh Jacobs 23 so plenty of, of running back production uh, opposing backfields are actually over the past five weeks averaging about 26 PPR against this defense so I can see using either one of these guys considering that Patterson Aaron Jones AJ Dillon Jonathan Taylor Alvin Kamara Brian Robinson Antonio Gibson all these guys being out Um, It really pushes a a bunch of, you know, a guy in in particular like Mostert who probably wouldn't have garnered consideration um, back onto that flex radar.
2: For sure. So we do have a couple names finishing a little bit higher this week than people might expect. Um, Given the circumstances, though, it's not surprising to see Samaje Pirine landing up pretty highly. Devin Singletary falls into a range where you're probably going to be interested in playing him. But one of the first names that really stands out to me this week, Curtis, is Dante Foreman. Now he has an average PPR of just ten point two. You do have thirty five percent of his matches going under five, but in the situation we're in this week, he honestly is a guy that merits flex consideration. I would recommend popping into the flex tab in the GLSP this week, bouncing him off of some of the other guys that you might be considering. Popping into your lineup Uh, just to give an an idea here of what he's expected to do against the Seahawks 14 attempts 63 yards. And I think one of the things that's helping him this week is that 50% of his matches did score rushing touchdowns. You also have Latavius Murray very much in flex consideration. We have talked about him now a couple of times, which is nuts. Last time we mentioned him, it was not a good week. For him against the Chiefs, though, he's expected to get 52 yards. 40% of his matches found the end zone. As I continue down the list, uh, you have Isaiah Pacheco scoring fairly high this week in the top 30. I think him and Jarek McKinnon are guys you could put in. Um, Yeah, I I think...
1: I think those are great names. I mean, Pacheco has been trending towards uh, being a starter over the past. I mean, the sentiment has definitely flipped that way. Yep. Uh, I, I liked, um, I liked the increased usage for McKinnon this past week versus prior week. So I, I think that's a great name to call out uh, there. It feels like maybe there could be a little bit more of an, an even share uh, this week, uh, Dave, and moving forward even.
2: Sure. Then in the Jets backfield, I think you'll have to pay attention Zonovan Knight had a really nice game. Um, We don't have enough of a sample, I think for him to, or that situation there is hard to really get encapsulated right now in the GLSP. So he's lower down in the list, but I think I would call him out as a name that I would probably be paying attention to, regardless of what we see in the GLSP, Um, you know, given the state of the jets backfield, As you start to get lower beyond there, um, there aren't any other names that stand out to me as guys that uh, a lot of our listeners would be really excited about getting, or I shouldn't say excited, would be considering popping into their lineup for flex purposes. The final note though, it's interesting to see the breakdown of what the GLSP is picking up here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. You have Leonard Fournette actually scoring pretty highly This week, Uh, he's an average GLSP of 13.7. That puts him in the top 15. One of the things that's driving... Well, I'll just read his line, then I'll read Rashad White's. So 12 rushing attempts, 48 yards. 40% of his matches found the end zone. He also gets five targets, four receptions, 26 receiving yards. Now, Rashad White, if you look at his average stat line... Just eight attempts, 32 yards, two and a half receptions, 17 yards. And very, very unlikely, given what his matches did, that he finds the end zone. But I think we might have a little bit different of an outlook on this in the GLSP as people that have been observing what's been going on in Tampa Bay the last couple of weeks and actually, you know, viewing these games.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Yeah, and I mean, White got the start. Not that it matters. I mean, it's definitely a committee uh, and Fournette had um, some targets, but- you know, I thought what was really cool for White moving forward versus Fournette is, you know, the game's on the line. By the way, you know, what a gross game that had also it was a disgusting. super cool ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, t- it was so gross for like 56 <laughs> minutes. And, and, and then it was very interesting at the end of the game. Um, but, you know, the Bucs are down there um, at the goal line. They're like six yards out, I think. And um, they've got a play ready to go. Brady calls timeout. Fournette had been on the field. And after the timeout, they come back out on the field whites on the field and he gets the target scores, a game winning touchdown. I think that speaks volumes, man. Like I I'm guessing that that was a Tom Brady decision to make that swap of Fournette for white. You know, if I, if I'm going to throw it short of the goal line on this play, potentially who's going to be the guy that's going to get it into the end zone. And I mean, and white did it. That's exactly what happened. I mean, I think he caught that ball in the three and he had to find his way in. So um, I did want to go back to Knight. You know, we talked a lot about him before we put our bids in an FFPC, and we spent some big dollars to get him. And I think my comment on that show was, you know, I think he's got an opportunity here to kind of be Tony Pollard light, but he's actually just kind of been Tony Pollard, uh, yeah. as at, least, at least what he was in week 13. I mean, two weeks in a row, he's had at least 14 carries. Two weeks in a row, he's had at least three receptions, and, and you know, he's averaging over 30 receiving yards over the past two weeks. Uh, he still hasn't scored a touchdown, um, but he's been highly usable. So, uh, you know, I think Knight is, I mean, I, I started him with confidence across um, every situation where I had claimed him uh, last week, and I'm going to continue to start him. I think this game on the road at Buffalo is, you know, obviously super important, lots of playoff implications, and he's proven to be trustworthy and dynamic, and he's he averaged nearly five yards uh, per rush attempt in his first game, six yards per attempt against Minnesota last week, and uh, just, you know, I mean, geez, 17 opportunities, Uh, 17 opportunities in week one, uh, 20 opportunities in week two of his uh, short starting um, stint here with the Jets. Another backfield I wanted to call out like for desperation mode here and for potential waiver wire claims, you know, th- we, we didn't mention this guy in the quarterback breakdown day, but Tyler Huntley is going to be taking over for the Ravens for a few weeks. Right, He would be another guy that's had some, you know, some, some runs of, of QB to uh, production in the past. You know, he was pretty usable in spots back, you know, last year in, in 2021 when Lamar was out. You know, Lamar is going to be out for potentially three weeks here. You know, the offense is going to change a little bit. You know, if, if you got desperate, uh, neither guy really performed last week, but I could see, you know, playing Kenyon Drake or playing um, Gus Edwards, you know, depending on, um, you know what the beats are saying about the touches and the health of each player, you know, moving into this week, but those would be guys that are not really performing well in the GLSP, but just situationally with the Ravens, um, changing their, their approach here, uh, over the next couple of weeks, I could see maybe using one of those players in a, in a really desperate uh, spot.
2: Yeah. I think that that is, um, something worth considering because we are going to have listeners that find themselves in dire straits by the time the weekend comes. Yeah.
1: All right, I yep. think that's good on, on running back, unless there's anybody else you want nope, to call out here. All right, let's hit the receivers.
2: Okay, so receivers, there's a, a couple of notable players landing um, high on the board this week. Fun to see Jamar Chase already back into the first place, should crush it this week. An average GLSP of 20, 75th percentile at 26.5, and 33% of his matches went for 25 or more points. So good,
1: man. He's
2: so good. He's so good. Uh, Almond Ross St. Brown finds his way into the top four. Chris Godwin getting back uh, in the good graces of the GLSP. His highest uh, GLSP of the season this year at 18.2. Yeah, have Hopkins, Lamb up there. The names that uh, we don't always see this high. We have Christian Kirk at 17.2. And Garrett Wilson at 16.5. Let me drill into Garrett Wilson just a little bit more. And we've we've seen a situation here where the change at quarterback uh, looks like it's working out for him. Eight and a half targets uh, in the average stat line produced by his comps. Five and a half receptions. 84 yards. 40% of his matches found the end zone. 20%. Went over 25. Now, he has a fairly flat distribution um, going from the 5 to 10 bucket all the way up to the over 25 bucket. But this is a pretty solid projection. If I have Wilson on my team, I'm definitely looking to get him in my lineup.
1: Yeah, I like that call uh, f- for sure. I mean, I think he's, yeah, he's must start the rest of the way. I mean, he, f- he feels like he's got enough steam going the Jets offense is one that's in flux. It's like a late season riser here. I don't think that you can keep them out of your lineups. You know, um, you know, the, we didn't have the Cardinals going last week, but we get, you know, Hollywood and Hopkins back. You know, Hopkins has been one of the best receivers in football for fantasy purposes since he uh, returned following his suspension. But I think it's a spot, you know, given what we saw from Hollywood in the one week that we got before the bye, um, Kyler still was really focused on featuring Hollywood and uh, we saw Hopkins usage change to being targeted down the field a little bit more uh than he was when Hollywood was out. So I think both of those guys, you know, Hopkins was kind of on auto start, but it's just a reminder uh to those of you that were patient and stashed Hollywood that he's gonna be available again. Uh it does push Rondell Moore down a little bit further, uh, but he's showing up uh as you know potentially a lower end wide receiver too some names that I wanted to kind of talk about that have trended, uh, pretty nicely over the course of the past month. And we've mentioned in passing, um, but you know, are, are showing up here as low end wide receiver 2 high and wide receiver threes to help cover those buys, you know, Darius Slayton, man, Darius Slayton continues to <laughs> provide some flex worthy production and actually even maybe a little bit better. And three out of the past four weeks, he's been, uh, uh, a wide receiver, too. Since week 10, Davies, wide receiver 17 in, in total scoring. Now, you know, some receivers have only, you know, played three games over that stretch, but he's averaging 14 PPR uh, over his past four games. That's a name a little bit off the radar um, that I could even see in casual leagues being on the wire uh, at this point. So that's one of the guys I wanted to highlight.
2: Yeah, definitely. He is one that stood out to me as a player that needed to get mentioned. Um, Jerry Judy, I just want to quickly call out here. Looks like a guy that would be a decent option for you this week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four for
1: 65. I mean, this weekend, you know. Yep. Um, It's okay. (laughs) Average stat
2: line, four and a half receptions, 70 yards. 40% of his matches scored a touchdown. But if you look at the distribution, it is notable that only 4% is under 5 you have 18% going beyond 20 and 20% in a 15 to 20 bucket. Uh, Josh Palmer still scoring very strongly. Uh, you have Brandon Ayuk, Juju Smith-Schuster um, around 20. Tyler Boyd hanging out around wide receiver 27 and we do see Greg Dortch and Rondale Moore, who you mentioned before, both getting into the top 30. Takeaway there, given how high Hopkins and Brown are as well, the GLSP is really expecting good things for the Cardinals wide receivers this weekend. Yeah,
1: uh, I'm trying to think of who I wanted to... Oh, oh Tyler Boyd, man. Yep. Tyler Boyd had like an okay game, but it was, one, it was a one drop away from being a pretty a pretty strong game. You know, he, I think he ended up with something like 10 PPR, but you know, he dropped an 18 yard touchdown reception that would have put him like at, at 19 points. So um, I think chase being back, having all three receivers is generally a good, I I would have to run the game splits on this uh, to see how Boyd plays with both of those receivers available. But to me, it would seem you know pretty natural that opposing defenses would choose to let Tyler Boyd get his receptions, get his yards, uh, versus getting you know damaged um, severely by Jamar Chase and, and T Higgins. And I mean, he had that type of game last week. Uh, some other names that I wanted to throw out here for for flex consideration. Um, when you look at at Zay Jones uh, and what the the Jags have going on. Um, For this weekend, he's showing up as a low end wide receiver three in the the tools. They have a juicy matchup against the Titans who have been pretty attractive to stream wide receivers against over the past five weeks. They've actually surrendered the the highest uh, uh, total PPR to the wide receiver position on the second most expected point. So this isn't a situation where we've had, you know, some crazy, you know, one week efficiency outliers that are like messing up the sample. Uh, every week, it's happening, and um, you know, first in targets <laughs> uh, against the first over the targets over the past five weeks. Second in receptions, second in receiving yards—like literally, just every category. Air yards. Uh, the Titans are a, a, a defense to stream receivers against. Then we see it, you know, show up in the stat line with some of the complementary receivers from from various teams. You know, Miko Hardman posting a big game, nearly twenty PPR against this team um, a few weeks ago, <laughs> Jalen Virgil with the, the rogue 66 yard <laughs> receiving touchdown for the Broncos, putting up nearly 14 PPR uh, Christian Watson with one of his multi touchdown performances against this team and, and T Higgins and AJ and Brown also um, having stellar performances against this team, but they're giving up 45.8 PPR to opposing wide receivers on a weekly basis. And, you know, I, I think in that type of spot, it could be a Zay Jones week. Zay Jones has been highly uh, spotty this year, but he does have two really big games. And I think this is set up to be one of those big games. So if you find yourself uh, missing a receiver on bye this week, it's, it's a potential Zay week from my perspective.
2: Yeah, I, I think that that is a good name to call out there. One of the more interesting names I see popping up this week is Julio Jones getting into low-end wide receiver three flex territory, but a lot of this comes mm-hmm. from the fact that 50% of his matches found the end zone against teams like the 49ers. is only Well, slated- Mike
1: Evans can't find the end zone anymore. I know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, why not Julio?
2: So this is actually kind of where I was going to take this to. So Jones has a line that calls for 4.6 targets, 2.8 receptions, 46 yards. And like I said, 50% of his matches found the end zone. If you looked at Mike Evans, what you would see is 6.3 targets, 4.2 receptions, 51 yards, 0 on the touchdowns, basically because wow. in his recent sample, there's no touchdowns really to pull in, which is crushing him this week. So it's interesting that you see Julio there. I guess what will float out here. Is it possible that Evans cashes in on Julio touchdown projection? Of course, it's possible. Yeah. Um, But I, I think that you actually can consider Julio Jones this week.
1: Yeah, with all the buys, yeah, why not? I mean, the w- the momentum against him is that you know we talked about this game. I think when we were uh, breaking down the quarterback position, yep. it's it's a game with an implied total of just thirty seven points, and Vegas is saying the Bucks are going to score one touchdown on three field goals. So, <laughs> I mean, you yeah, know, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so, so that's the that's the tough part, but I mean you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes these low total games, you know, do go crazy. I mean, they get it wrong once in a while and, you know, be like, you know, one of the games that everyone is fading just turns into a, you know, freaking race. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't really mind it. Um, so he's more of like a back pocket guy.
2: You're not trying to get him in, but I think if need be, you can probably trot him out
1: Uh, on the negative side, uh, in this same game, man, the GLSP hates Debo. It does. Yeah. Debo outside the top 60 at the position, um, which is pretty interesting. Like the bucks haven't actually been that bad of a team to play wide receivers against. I mean, they're pretty much middle of the road over the past um, five to six weeks, but Debo is on, you know, a little bit um, of a cold streak here. And, you know, the GLSP thinks maybe it could continue. Of course the cold streak is uh, kind of feeding that as well. But if you look at his past five games played, um, he has just one performance better than, um, you know, wide receiver three or lower, you know, in week 11 against the Cardinals, he did have that 22 point outburst in uh, three of the other four weeks that he's played in, uh, in his past five games, he actually has failed to even score 10 PPR. So, you know, Debo still has that high end name appeal. And he's got that big playability. in a week with six teams on by, it's hard to imagine sitting him, but man, uh, he certainly doesn't feel like a savior. Uh, If you've been stashing him on your bench uh, in recent weeks, you know, trying to capture points from hotter players. Um, I, you know, I I wouldn't have my hopes up that he's going to win your week for you.
2: Yeah. And a lot of this comes down to a lot of pessimism around his touchdown scoring potential. Um, Brandon Ayuk has the stronger line with seven and a half targets, four and a half receptions, 57 yards and 40% of his matches found the end zone. As you continue along, Curtis, um, there's not a lot of players that I'm seeing as guys that you wouldn't already think of as possible streaming options that look like they're going to be outplaying what you would expect on their seasonal average. Um, I'm taking just a quick look here. Guys that are coming in lower problem than you'd like to see George Pickens pretty low. Traylon Burks fairly low. Cortland Sutton very low. Um, I, I, I really think those are all the the key notes that I have at wide receiver.
1: Okay. Um, if you want to get into desperation territory, you know, you're playing in a 14-team league, or you know, it's it's like a a rotovis triflex league where you've got to start three wide receivers and you still have some flex that you can uh, roll out there as well. And you're you know you're just torn up on the injuries and the buys. A little bit uh, of an off the radar name, but I like the game situation for him this week. Would be KJ Osborne. Um, the the Vikings and the Lions are in a game with a fifty three and a half point implied point total. The Vikings are on the road to Detroit in the dome. Um, they've got a personal uh, team total of 25 and a half. Detroit has really been stingy uh, in, in all aspects uh, to opposing um, running backs. You know, it's a pass, it's a pass funnel team. And it's not a game that I would expect Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison to take over. It is a game that I would expect uh, Kirk Cousins to really be the, the driver of everything that happens Um, for the Vikings offense. Uh, Opposing quarterbacks ranking first uh, against the Lions over the the course of the past five weeks. They're uh, giving up an average of nearly 250 passing yards uh, a game. They're averaging uh, nearly multiple passing touchdowns uh, per game. And uh, from a fantasy points perspective, quite a bit of production. Now they have faced a little bit of a a run of slightly mobile quarterbacks here. And so they have allowed some rushing touchdowns over that span. Uh, that is um, informing the sample just a little bit, but I like the Vikings to move the ball through the air against the Lions much easier than on the ground. And so it could be you know, Osborne's a player that's popped up uh, here and there as usable, uh, you know, with, with a healthy Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson and toe, he's kind of a little bit off of the radar, but if you're in desperation mode and nobody is out there on the wire, he's a guy I'd give a look.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's a perfectly fair note. Um, just a couple of tight ends to highlight this week that we don't always see landing um, in tight end one or fringe tight end one territory. You have uh, Austin Hooper with 9.8 points coming yep. into tight end one territory. Uh, Hunter Henry, not too far behind, which is a name that we really have not seen that much um, this season, Cade Auden, I guess would be the other name that I would call out as well. Uh, Foster Moreau filling in for Darren Waller as well, uh, gets a pretty favorable projection from the GLSP's perspective. So those are a couple of maybe deeper names you could go for if you are in need of a yeah. tight end.
1: I think Austin Hooper's a pretty cool name. I mean the bar's low to get to this obviously. But since week seven, he's tied end eight, man, over the past seven games. And it's really driven on the strength of just a single performance where he had 19.6 uh, against the Packers back in week 11. But he's been a tight end two. Um, you know, that week, obviously, he was a tight end one. Might have been the tight end yep. one. I'd have to go back and check. Um, but in five of the other six most uh, recent weeks, he was a tight end two. Um, so, I mean, you know, that only... Requires like six points a week uh, to get to that bar, but he has he does have a, a pair of games with over eight and a half PPR during that stretch too. So I mean it's a gross position. Uh, pretty much every name outside the elites uh, is is basically you know grasping at straws. But I, I like the call of of pointing him out. Um, it's also reassuring to hear for for me to hear you say that name because I've got some spots where I'm probably going to need to use him. Um, and I'm glad that I didn't have to talk myself into it, and that you brought it up um, unprompted.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it works out. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting weekend. You and I have a uh, championship game, I believe, in the main event yes. on a mutual team, which I'm looking forward oh, to,
1: baby. Yes, absolutely, man. And you know, this was a squad where, uh, we, you know, we had already qualified for the big tournament. You know, we were uh, we were the two seed coming out of of that league. And so, you know, we already have some winnings in hand and are going to be playing in the big dance, but it's pretty cool. Um, it's pretty cool to be in a situation where, you know, we could actually add to those winnings along the way here uh, with a a league championship. win. and this, this team is, this seems nice, man. This seems really nice. I'm going to read down through our starting lineup. Just, Roster bait for the listeners here a little bit as we end the episode. We're going to have Jalen Hurts starting against the Giants. That's a great situation for us, obviously. We're going to start Zonovan Knight and Josh Jacobs in our, our running back one and running back two slots here. Uh, the hottest running back in football and uh, the waiver wire wonder of week 13. Uh, They're both starting. We're going to have Hollywood and Tyreek at the wide receiver position. Touchdowns waiting to happen on every touch. We're going to start Austin Hooper, baby. We nice. just brought him up. <laughs> uh, we had been starting uh, Cole Komet and Hayden Hurst streaming the two of them, but Komet's on bye and Hurst is injured. So we're going to start Hooper. And we've got Rashad White and Debo currently in our flex, but you know we can look at those situations a little bit more close. Uh, we have Jonathan Taylor on bye and Kenneth Walker, Alchie. So we might be able to slide Kenneth Walker in there for Debo, given what we saw in the GLSP about uh, that player, and then you know this is a situation where we got to you know we got to have a kicker and a and a uh, a defense. We've got the Seattle Seahawks defense uh, going against the Panthers, which is a pretty nice situation. So yeah, I'm feeling good about it, man. Um, I have had a chance to to check out our opposing uh our, the opposing lineup we're going to be going against, but I feel like we got a really strong squad. Uh, the only player that we're really hurting in terms of missing. Is Jonathan Taylor um provided that Walker uh plays. So yeah, man. It, it feels great. It's been really fun managing this team. And uh regardless of what happens this weekend, starting week fifteen, the sweat begins, man. This oh, is a team it really yeah. It's in the top two fifty, man. We are right there in in striking distance. Uh the team that Sean and I had that finished top twelve uh two years ago was further back than this, heading into the the big dance. So I'm excited about the possibilities with this squad with you.
2: All right. Well, that's what I like to hear, especially given the fact that the team I was most excited about that I had, uh, that was in the playoffs last week, suffered the Lamar Jackson injury. No, oh, no. And I, I no. was in love with this team. So this team is now my favorite team that I have. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. We will be back Thursday night with the GSP matchup uh, passing game preview episode and we will see you then thank you for listening to the rotoviz fantasy football show send us questions at rvff at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave and at c patrick nfl leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate review and subscribe See yes. yes.